If you saved $5,000 from the age of 25 to 35 and stopped, that's all you did. You would still have more money at the end of the day than someone who saved from 35 to 67. It's true that girls just want to have funds, but the reality is full-time working women still earn 14% less than men. And mums are usually the ones to sacrifice their careers or drop down to part-time to raise a family. So whether you're kickstarting your career or planning your retirement, getting married or breaking up, today we'll be tackling the unique decisions that women need to make when handling their finances. On today's episode of Pocket Money, we've got a special cameo appearance from Finder's managing editor, Kate Brown. So welcome to Pocket Money, Kate. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hello. On the topic of uh, women and their money, uh, you've done a really cool interview. So can you tell us what you've got teed up for us today? Yeah, I had the opportunity to interview Effie Zahos, who is quite well known in Australia for being a money expert, spokesperson. She's been the editor of Money Magazine in Australia for the last 20 years. She's now working as a financial expert and spokesperson for Bauer Media. And what I really like about Effie is she's a real deal. She started working life as a graduate banker, worked her way up. She's got really great finance skills, but really great communication skills as well. She's got a new book out called A Real Girl's Guide to Money and specifically focusing on the issues that women have around finances. We know from the data women earn less. They often are penalised for going out of the workforce when they have children or to care for relatives and often have very little super and a whole bunch of financial hurdles. So she's written a book addressing that, but actually specifically looking at what can be done about that. These are Australian-specific examples, but these are issues that affect a lot of women around the world in most countries. And so I think she's brought a really interesting perspective to the whole piece. She's also a working mum of two. She's living what she tells other people to do, and I think that's really great. Even though Effie is a finance expert, she's really cool because she admits her own foibles. She's, you know, in the book there's lots of references to shoes, and I can confirm when I met her she was wearing fabulous shoes. Um, <laughs> so, you know, she's 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 too into the idea that we're not all at home not drinking coffee and drinking warm tap water to save money but (laughs) she's got some really great clear-cut real-life examples like one of the chapters of the book is like the bastards up and left me what do I do now Mm. so you know these are all things that happen and she's got some really great very user-friendly tips around what you can do to make things better. Yeah, that's awesome. And good to know that it covers all different life stages. She talked about sort of for younger women, she's like, you know, give a gift to your future self. Like, I know the last thing you're interested in is your super, but, you know, if you you spend X amount now, you know, you're going to have this much money. Um, And I think that was really cool as well. I kind of wish I could get in a little time machine and go back a few years too. All right, so let's get into it and uh, hear all about Kate's chat with Bauer Media's finance editor, commentator and financial literacy campaigner, Effie Zahos. Hello and welcome to Pocket Money, Effie. Can you introduce yourself? Hello, Kate. Yeah, my name is Effie Zahos. My background is actually finance. I, I did a Bachelor of Economics at uh, UQ. So, yeah, I'm a Gold Coast girl and very proud to be one. And kind of got snapped up a, as a, a graduate trainee uh, working for Westpac. 
back then when you finish your degree, you got a job straight away. It's guaranteed. It's not like it is now. The banks would come on campus and they'll pick up the ones they want. So I was very lucky and lucky in the sense that I really got a good understanding of the banking system. When you start as a graduate trainee, you work right down to the, the, the check proofing system, which probably don't have a lot of checks these days, right through to commercial banking, product development, interest rate setting on, on all types of products. So it was a really good grounding into the banking system. And then I met uh, Paul Clithrow, the original money guru. I remember going to a job interview with him and he was saying, uh, you know, Effie, I'm going to give you the, the, the best tip that you'll ever hear. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, this is going to be great. He's a guru who'll know exactly what to say and so on. And he said to me, Effie, it's not what you earn that counts, but what you spend. So I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, that's so true. It's not what you earn that counts. It's what you spend. That's so simple. And he goes, it's, it's for that reason. I'm going to give you this job at half your salary. <laughs> <laughs> he won me over. Oh, what the rest setup. is history. <laughs> it is an amazing journey, really, from being a banking graduate to now being an author. Your book's called A Real Girl's Guide to Money. We're looking at financially fit females. Why the focus on women and why right now? Yeah, look, I, I have written a children's book, uh, beautifully illustrated. It really follows a little boy with his dog and he gets $20 and doesn't know what to do with it. It's like a little kind of fairy tale. So I, I've dabbled in that. I have produced a, a magazine month in, month out. So I feel mm. like I've always been obviously in content. Why a book now? I was ready for it. I've been asked to write books for a long time, but for me, it's like, well, what is what is it that I want to say? For me, it always must come organically. It's got to be a passion. The children's book came because my son was a spendaholic. Right. So it came from a real Driven passion. from a real life experience. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The final straw, the lighting bolt moment was when Sally Eagle is actually the publisher at Bauer Books here, uh, walked into my office and she was pregnant with her fourth child. And she's such an extravagant lady, dressed just immaculately and a really smart woman loves her shopping but smart woman and she said Effie how the hell am I going to afford this fourth child and I just looked at it and I thought wow we've all got these voices in our head and I am no exception to that I mean I know I catch up with my girlfriends and after a couple of wines we do talk money and we're kind of brutal too I mean why are you doing that why are you spending your money there you complain you had no money last week so why are you doing that and these voices are there like how the hell can she afford that and there's some chapters in there that if I can say the bastard left me for somebody younger I'm now yeah. moving into that field at my yeah. age where this is happening mm. so I thought I can't be the only woman with these voices in my head so then I thought it's time to actually put what's in my head in a book again and I thoroughly enjoyed it because it, it does come from a personal space too. And I think that makes it really relatable. I think a lot of people when they think of finance they think of it as being very cold and very fact driven and not particularly relatable and I think what I really liked about your approach is this is life and as you said you can't go through life without spending money but it is interesting to me that people don't always talk about it it's like one of the last taboos people talk about having Botox or having yeah, affairs yeah, but yeah. they won't talk about their money yeah, we're what? quite happy to talk about <laughs> Botox yeah, I'm personally quite happy to tell you how much I made yeah there, yeah there you go but it's interesting how people become very coy yeah. about that and do you think that is part of the reason why people do get quite confused about their finances and, and maybe think everyone else is in a better situation and they're not managing their own money because of that? Financial stress is definitely big on the agenda. I mean, speak to anybody, no matter what income they earn, they're going to be saying, oh, I'm finding it tough. And there's actually a chapter in the book that says, I earn 150K, why am I still broke? And it doesn't matter if you earn 150K or 60K. That feeling is well and truly alive. And that chapter was actually inspired 
honoured by, I went to my son's soccer game. I always feel like I'm the poorest person driving uh, to, to soccer games on Saturday. Right, yeah. Because he goes to a nice school and I always say to my kids, you are the poorest in this school. Understand that. I'll be honest, I felt sometimes a little bit embarrassed that, oh, I'm not driving a, you know, a uh, Porsche or I'm not driving mm-hmm. this and so on. And a woman came up to me and said, she recognised who I was and she said, oh, look, I just brought, and I'll say this, this is a plug for Scott Pape, but uh, I just bought Scott Pape's book. Mind you, I was writing my book at that time. Yeah. Go, oh, really? <laughs> uh, and I said, you know, aren't you a lawyer? Isn't your, your husband a fund manager? You, you should have some good income coming through. And she said, we just don't know where it goes. So having a quick look at her from head to toe, I, I can tell you where it's going. <laughs> you could see where it was I going. I could see she drove out with it as well. It's that situation that we put ourselves in because money is more than just dollars and cents. Money comes down to a, a lot in our mind. Mm. Why is it we do what we do? Forget about what you are or what, you know, that situation. Why? How did you get there? Because if you don't understand how you got there, you won't understand how to change your behaviour and, and, and remove yourself from that get situation. Get yourself out yeah. of the situation. Yeah. In your book, you mentioned you almost grow into whatever your new salary is very quickly. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. <laughs> how do people unpack that kind of mindset? Do you have any tips or tricks to, yeah. to, to do in that? In that particular one where yeah. it comes to behavioural economy, mm. I worked with a behavioural economist and a psychologist mm. and he was invaluable. And even I picked up a few little gems there. Uh, that thing about the more you earn, the more you spend – you do. And if only we could just way back when we started, or if you're listening now and you're just starting, the big tip is if you get a pay rise, still stay living on that same salary. It's so easy to live tight when you are younger. Mm. Believe me, you're more flexible. You yep. can sleep on a couch. You can eat two middle noodles, whatever the case may be. Yep. But as you move through life, your expenses do get bigger. If you're following kind of the traditional route, whatever that may be these days, you know, you're going to probably have some kids. As you get older, you want bigger things, nicer things, whatever. So, you know, you might be at your peak earning years but your expenses are really high Mm. so if you can harness that money at an early stage oh my goodness you're then playing with the power of compound interest and there's one little stat that I put in the book because it even blew me away and I shared it with my daughter and she's 18 and it really made sense to her and that came from I think a JP Morgan's uh, retirement guide or survey and it said that um, if you saved five thousand dollars from the age of 25 to 35 Mm -hmm. and stopped that's all you did. You would still have more money at the end of the day than someone who saved from 35 to 67. Wow. Yeah, that's because money's working, interest on interest. Yeah. Now, that assumed a 7% return. Obviously, you start playing around returns. I moved it down by six, down to six, and the other person wins. But the moral of the story here is just how powerful compound interest is. And mm. if you can start early, even small amounts, you are ahead of the game. I wish I had a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> and going back to your question, I don't think I answered it. Mm. Uh, but, you know, if you're earning more, why do you mm. spend more? You'll find that the more you earn, you might outsource more things. Right. So, and then you find that I've got to work to pay for that. And you get yourself in this vicious cycle. I mean, mm. have a look around your household. If you are fortunate enough to have a great job and you've got a decent income, have a look where your money's going. Mm. Are you getting the car washed? Do you have someone to come in and clean your house every fortnight, every week, whatever the case? Is someone ironing your clothes? This is all well and good if you – I always like to do a comparison. At least if you're paying them $1, you must be earning at least two to do that. Otherwise, you're going backwards. Then you find yourself in that vicious cycle that – I am stressed. I've got to keep up because my expenses are so much. So I've got to go to work. But because I go to work and work long hours, I've got to outsource everything.
your latest book is around encouraging women to learn more about mm. managing their finances. What's your take on women and money? Is it mm. something that traditionally women weren't encouraged to get involved in? Is it something women don't feel like they can play in that space? Because mm. to me, it does feel like you hear mm. finance. Yeah, and yeah. I think of men in suits. Yeah, um, yeah. What strategies would you give women who are interested in trying to take yeah. control of their finances? It's interesting, in this day and age with so much information out there, I got a reality check when I actually saw the results from the HILDA survey. So they asked what I thought were five pretty simple questions. The first question was if I had $100 in a bank account that charged no fees and I earned 2%, how much will I have at the end of the year? We're talking at that level. We're Mm. talking inflation, Mm. diversification, risk equals return. At the end of the day, the results showed that I think almost 50% of men got those five questions right. Women were way down around 35 or 38%. So, look, I didn't think the results were good either, gender. Whatever yeah, gender the yeah, results are pretty, pretty poor. poor. It's pretty poor. But there is a financial literacy gap between men and women. And why is that so? Because women are smart. They're savvy. They're strong. We multi-skill. We, we do so much. What's happening there? And that's a worry. I think when it comes to women and why you know I focused on that because the strategies to make money are exactly the same. Whatever you are, whatever gender you, you are, the way you make money is the same. But there are issues and women do kind of converse and talk different to one another that are specific to that gender. And I think when it comes to women, we are very time poor. Look at yourself. You've got kids, young kids, you're juggling work. I'm sure you're juggling the household because in most cases, it's women that do become the carers, can still hold a full-time job. So they're caring for their kids or they're caring for, you know, in my case, it's getting to my parents now. We are good at paying the bills, paying the, the mortgage, the rent, the school fees, whatever you've got. Tick, 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 tick. Yes, I've done that. That feels great. Oh, super. Gee, I don't have time for that. That's just, whoa, that's for another day. I'll do that Saturday. Well, Saturday comes and you just don't have time. Those wealth creating strategies, women just seem to put a little bit further away because uh, I guess time poor. Thank you for your comment about not having any time. I would just like to say this morning I got up, got two children dressed on my own breakfast, then carried a cello in the rain <laughs> for four blocks up to the local primary school before getting in an Uber to go to a meeting in Paddington before coming here. <sighs> yeah, I, I can so see how, why super is pretty low going? on my list. <laughs> is super going to be done today? There is a post-it note on my desk that says I need to I need to consolidate my super. So respect, Effie. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and that's just one issue women have. Time, Paul. Let's throw in one that seems like a first world problem. We live longer. How bad's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bit of a bummer. Uh, yeah. Chances are you will, as a woman, probably out-survive your partner if you are with a man mm. uh, because men live not as long as women. If it's two females, great. Yep. Just I yep. hope you've got the money to yep. survive. Between the two That's right. That's fine. It is a case of just understanding that you need to put things in place because we're looking at a situation now that as many as one in three, I think, women do not have any super and then as many as 40% of older women that are single are living in poverty. Let's think about that. There's someone right now that's living below the age pension. I mean, living on the pension is hard enough. Let's bring another vital part of why women often end up in financial trouble into the mix. You're a mum of two kids. Mm, mm. So am I. How would you break down some of the biggest challenges you've found and what you've seen out yeah, there? Yeah, so yes, I do have two children. One has just finished high school and she's now studying at ANU doing engineering. And one has just entered high school. 
they're not cheap. Uh, I'm yet to see a return on either of them. <laughs> Which is why I had Terrible two, just to, just to diversify. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's number one tip, diversify with the children. Um, look, kids don't come cheap. And there is a chapter in there that kids cost a bomb. When I had uh, Nikki, and I love her, and she's a gift that I am so happy that she came along. Nikki, if you're listening, we have talked about this. She was a, a surprise. Right. <laughs> a surprise. surprise. Yeah. I know she's always fought with her brother and said he was the surprise. Right. But I had to break the news to her and say, no, actually, you were the surprise. Oh, that is so funny it was scary I'll be honest we hadn't planned just finding out I was pregnant I felt financial stress how am I going to cope how could I be so responsible and not have everything in place will I take a career break will my career fall you worry as a woman in the Mm. workforce that if you take you know maternity leave is that going to be a problem and it shouldn't and this is why we do lose a lot of good women in the workforce and it shouldn't be like that thankfully I am seeing more flexibility with employers and you know the good ones know how to maintain their top players these were all the emotions I felt and I'm sure I can't be the only woman Mm. who has had a surprise and as grateful as I was and she is the best surprise um, it is an automatic panic so look you know I can definitely talk firsthand as to what do you do well you you kind of starve you you go on one income yeah um, and seek how how am I going to do this can I survive you look at any benefits you may be able to to, to get you look at ways to save I mean look we actually moved in with my in-laws now I know my in-laws won't be listening so I can say they were wonderful absolutely yes. wonderful but look I had to make Very some generous. sacrifices of course it can be done that's what I'm trying to kind of get to it can be done but you do some silly things I think a lot of parents with their first child mm. it's a wonderful time you're so excited the euphoria oh my goodness I've got to get them the best pram what is the best pram costing now two thousand three thousand upwards of two thousand for sure <laughs> And if it's you a don't, you're going to be made to feel guilty. Yeah. So yeah. it's those things that you do with the firstborn that, you know, when the second came along, oh, forget that. The second one, no, you can walk. I'm not getting you. <laughs> <laughs> that pram's busted of Nikki's. You can wear you your can sister's walk. clothes. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if you don't like Actually, he did wear. Oh, bless. He did. He did. Think about the opportunity cost foregone. Yeah. I can and I do here and I have been guilty of spending easily $500 for your kid's first birthday. So it's a case of then I wisened up and thought, okay, mm. can I put that money elsewhere? Can mm. it be to better use? Wouldn't it be better for me to put that into, say, an investment for her? And that will double by the time she's 18. Easy, yeah. doing nothing. If you have debt, you'd be far better off, of course, putting in your credit card. So it comes down to that opportunity cost foregone. Yeah. And now that my kids are older, I actually play that with them so the 13 year old is not having a party the opportunity cost foregone he's saying well no that $500 will be better for me because he's saving for a car forget the party mum I'll take the cash um, and I'm so proud of him. <laughs> That's amazing because you mentioned earlier he was your spendaholic. So, yes, so he wouldn't yeah. have done that. I, I tried that last year. No way he had to have a party. Yeah. It was reasonable, but I said, you know, this could be money for you. He's now understanding that. Um, and, and kids are different in the way they handle information, grasp it and, and act on it. So don't be upset if one child gets it and one child doesn't. And don't think, you know, as soon as they are conceived, they need to be talked money. It's a case of when is your child ready for it as well. That's a really good point. I'm, my I call my daughters the chalk and cheese sisters. Yeah, <laughs> they're so different. One is a spender. One is a yeah. saver. Almost a borderline hoarder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you manage that? Because uh, you know, to me, clearly that was just something within them. Yeah, and, and the daughter that loves to spend, nothing makes her happier. Yeah, yeah. And I feel very torn because. Yeah. Uh, 
that's what she loves to do. But I feel like I'm enabling some kind of bad behaviour and it's very hard. She's 11 and it's very hard to kind of impart some good financial sense into her without kind of killing her buzz, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's only 11 and sometimes, Mm. like I said, my son took a bit longer to grasp it all. Mm. He kept everything in cash. He just didn't trust banks. I don't know where he got that from. Yeah, I wonder. Um, But he finally got a bank account and was the best thing because he was ready for it. He understood it. He understood compound interest. Uh, And these days kids have such great apps that they can get a hold of. And he was allowed to put his picture of what he wanted. He wants a Jeep Wrangler. Yeah. Set the goal. He knows how much he's got to save. I'll match if he if he makes it he won't get his license on what 16 17 yeah. so he's got some time to save it wasn't until a goal was put in place that right. he turned saving for the sake of saving that's not fun for anybody i guess this relates to everyone but i was thinking about it in in respect to children we mm. were thinking about getting our children bank accounts mm-hmm. and then i said to my husband money is so intangible mm-hmm. these days and you mentioned your son likes cash yeah um, yeah which is unusual it is yeah, yeah. but to me I, I do worry for particularly my girls who've grown up in a yeah. virtually a cashless yeah, yeah. environment yeah how do you get them to lock on to yeah. something that yeah. is so intangible? My, my little one, I said to her one day, I can't get that. I don't have any money. And she yeah. said, just get that card out of your wallet. <laughs> yeah. You can use that. Yeah. And yeah. I went, wow, there's yeah. like, no, she's not joining the dots yeah. at all. And she's eight. And I Still, thought yeah. this, this intangibility does kind of remove, and we see it in the way it young people spend mm. we just did a study at find a millennials tap and go crazy they're the ones with the worst credit scores mm, um mm. it's all feels very removed mm, now how mm. do you kind of ground people in understanding money and get them interested and excited it's, it's it is a combination of both because we've got to remember while we were you know raised with cash they're not so we've got to get our minds across digital as well yeah. and get them to learn how to live in the digital world mm. so it's definitely a combination of both obviously understanding money and the dollar value is important the physical physicality of it is important. I definitely did start my children that way. I mean, simple things, 52-week challenge, the Coke bottle challenge, there's so many and then I've got those tips in the book as to, you know, what you can pick. What worked the best was just, I literally did do two jars, kitchen, 52-week challenge, $1 one week, $2 next week, every Saturday I'll do it. I would match the child that reached the target at the end of 52 weeks knowing full well that my young one couldn't because what nine-year-old then has you know forty dollars in week 40 didn't that worked to a certain point now with digital it is a case of parents have to get savvy themselves yeah. and understand that this is the world they're living in i mean for goodness sake my son buys all his lunch now on a card at the canteen amazing so you know the first week twenty dollars just disappeared <laughs> yeah. where's that gone yeah. how do you eat twenty dollars and of course he was buying his mate's lunch right we had to get back online you bought this this is what's happening as a parent you really do need to get savvy and digitally minded as well the good thing is there is so much help out there yeah. it's a case sometimes we overthink things we try and think who's got the best interest rate who's got you know what your kid's not going to get rich with their small change it's not about that it's yeah. about the knowledge so long as you're not getting ripped off on fees mm. jump in as soon as you can so kind of good enough is good enough I think so. With education of money, you want to teach them, showing them this is where the money's sitting. You've taken some money out. Look, you earned some interest. Yes, I know it's not much. (laughs) Mummy doesn't get much either. But it's about educating. And back to your point of the wealthy woman at soccer or whatever it was who's saying, I don't know where the money's gone. So I guess we can't, as parents 
track where yes. our money's going or conceive of where our money's going, then I can and get And get no organised. So one of the chapters in there was about, I guess, Mary Kondo, most people would know from Netflix, um, the, the, yep. the, the Spark and Joy. Yeah. <laughs> if you put all your socks and underwear and so on in one drawer, I can imagine she would say, that's wrong, that's bad. I mean, I know at the end of the week, it's a mess. I can't find anything. The same happens with your bank accounts. You put everything in one bank account. You don't know what's going in and out. You've got to get organised. The best kind of tip in that chapter was that let's say you got $5,000 leave that in one account you've got no problem if you have a bad day and you think oh I want to buy something make myself happy take $500 out you've got 4500 no pain yet you separate that 5000 in five separate accounts and name them so I do have an account called Splurge I have an account called Nikki I have another account called Costa and so on I can't steal from my kids, you know. So you know, look, okay, if I've got a thousand dollars and I take five hundred, that's fifty percent of the money gone. Yeah. So it's that behavioural side that you need to play with yourself to, mm. to to work out. Okay, this may stop me spending. I definitely can't steal my kids' money. There's no money in there. If I do take it, fifty percent is gone. So there are things you can do to get yourself organised. Mm, and that, I mean, that's a really great psychological trick because there again, you're locking that money yeah. rather than just being this intangible source yeah. of something. Thing, you're actually locking it onto actual things in your life that you care about. Tell me more about your account. So you've got a Nikki account. Get a splurge account. account? Yeah. Yeah. You've got one for your kids. Look, I'm like everybody yeah. else. Each system mm. depends on how you want to operate. So I do work in a bucket system. Yep. Other people may not. If you've got a, a huge mortgage, you may be better off putting it, if you are disciplined, of course, in your redraw mm. offset account. Mm. But know that is one account. And know that if you are racking up on credit to earn points and then pay yourself back, you've got to be disciplined. There are so many ways you can slice and dice it. And again, Again, that's in the book as to some options as to how to do it. You mentioned when we were chatting earlier um, that never before have we had so much information yeah. about how to manage our money, but the needle isn't really shifting in terms of people actually changing yeah. their behaviour. What do you think that's all about? Yeah, and that was that Hilda survey I was talking about. Those mm. results really hit home with me because I thought, yeah, we're getting better. Mm. There's so much information out there. But it doesn't appear that when you look at averages that it's happening and that's a real shame. Whether it's too much information, information overload, a lot of disruption out there. There is a lot of disruption. And we're talking about behavioural economics now. Just Mm. think of this. Think of this when institutions use that for the better or for the worse. So you've got some great products out there that really play on that. Some like, for example, if you're tapping, it rounds up and it can go into an online safe and go into your home loan automatically. It can go into an exchange-traded fund. I think that's great. I think they've used behavioural economics in a great way and built some really good products. There are some bad ones, and I've gone on record. It's not new. Mm. Um, Buy now, pay later. I think that's a disruption. They are, in a sense of pricing, great products cheaper than a credit card they're not a credit card and if you pay them off on time there are no fees and the fees are pretty small are they the cheapest form of loan because it is a loan let's Mm. not kid ourselves it's a loan so it's a great product in that regard but it plays on your mind it's there at the checkout it's so easy to do so if you have a temptation to do it you're going to do it and you only need to talk at the financial counsellors and just see who's coming in and what are their issues and it's all this disruption out out there 
would you say to someone who's thinking about having a baby? Is there ever a good time to have a baby? How do you mitigate some of this stuff? Yeah, always a good time to have procreate and have a baby. I think they're gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I do not regret at all having my beautiful Nikki, of course. But understand that it does take a hit as a woman. You mentioned super. Depending on whose research you're using, um, women take around six years out of the workforce to help raise a family. And that has a huge hit on your super. I think as much as 160,000 is wow. one report I saw. And with the other factors, women living longer and so on need it the most in that regard. It is a case that, and I hate to say this, that super only works if you work. Nine to five, I guess, and you're on a good income. You know, the more you earn, the, you know, the better it is. You're taxed at 15%. If your marginal tax rate is high, you've got a bigger gap. If we were serious about having super as the retirement fund, we would actually tweak it, change it, improve it. So it suits what the workforce is today, even a man or a woman, because you've got mm. the gig economy as well. Yes. So hopefully we're moving towards that, that 450 threshold, why it's there, contractors versus employees, paid super, not paid and so on. But if I can only get people to be more engaged with their super, well, at least go some way to, to helping your retirement fund. When we looked at the Productivity Commission, what came out of that is that multiple accounts and dud super funds were the two right. things that really ate into your super. These are things that you can manage. These mm. are things that you can actually make a difference. These are things that don't require you to put an extra cent in your super. And you can see hundreds of thousands go back into your super fund. So I always say with super, think of it as your own bank account. It's mm. your money. Okay, yes, you can't touch it until you retire. But if you're looking for a wealth strategy system, it's got all the secrets in there. Dollar cost averaging, long term, great returns. You've got your insurance in it through as well and also tax incentives. So what you should be doing is performance. Have a look. Are you on par? When you look at a balanced super fund, and balance doesn't necessarily mean balance. It gets a bit confusing here. Yeah. It's like getting, you know, I think I'm a size six or eight in country road, but if I go somewhere else, I could be at 12 or 14. <laughs> yeah. So there's no it's one. It's all so, in the context. It's all in context. So yeah. check what balance means. Yeah. But if I was looking at, say, super ratings data mm. um, in a balanced fund with high growth, say 70, 80%, you're looking at returns over 10 years as high as 8%. Mm. So what's your fund doing? Yeah. Compare apples to apples, of course. So performance, fees, how much are you paying? Because there's a big difference between, say, 0.5 to over 2% to do a, a balanced fund. How much are you paying? Insurance, take care here, get some advice. And the asset class, which we touched on. Those four things, mm. get that right. And believe me, it's probably going to be at most four hours of a painful afternoon on a Saturday but you will thank me come 67 when you're not living in polyester and drinking cask wine. That's what I say. <laughs> you painted a beautiful picture. It is a real psychological hurdle, isn't it? And and when yeah. you spell it out like that, it's four hours. Yeah. It's four hours yeah, just, that's going to impact. And it'll make a good return. And that's great for women who can't afford to put any extra in. And I get that. And there's a chapter in there that says, who's got spare money to contribute to super? So I go through different ways and talk about right. those four points in more detail as to what you can do to boost your super mm, yeah it's a really important issue and it's really hard to um get people's attention on isn't it it's, it seems extraordinary like you said think of it as your money <gasps> i know think you, of it as your money if you had say you know a thousand dollars in your bank account and they took twenty dollars out of and fees you'd call that bank wouldn't yeah. you go what is this 20 bucks what are you doing 
Mm. So why aren't we looking at our statements and thinking, hold it, mate. You've actually given me a negative return here. What's happening? Yeah. So really the mindset is thinking about it in in, in the now, not in the future. Absolutely. Speaking of the future, (laughs) let's talk about kids as they get older and some of the costs. People tend to focus on the baby and baby's cute and you go buy lots of stuff for babies and they grow out of it really fast and that's an issue. But parenting's a real marathon, isn't it, Effie? It is. And uh, If you added it all up, you'd need a stiff drink, I reckon. That's what I think (laughs) because I have. I have added it up. Well, yeah, let's talk about that because you do see a lot of focus around, you know, even budgeting for baby or your baby's coming. But what about five years down the track, 10 years down the track, 18 years down the track. What do you think parents maybe aren't thinking about when they're looking at family finances and and, and getting on top of that? There are ways you can slice and dice. I was on a radio show and I had someone call her ring me and she was shocked that I said that the children cost can cost half a million dollars or a million dollars for two. That's private school fees. That's yeah. what you're up for. Yeah. And some people want to do that and that's fine. Others don't and that's okay. But that figure is very real. In that chapter of Kids Cost a Bomb, I actually got to an advisor to help out where would you actually invest and how much would you have to put away if you want to put your kids through a private system, mm-hmm. a Catholic system or a government system. Those numbers are quite... Shocking. Even a government system from K to 12 is, is around $77,000. Yeah, so that's still significant. It's significant. Mm. That requires a, a monthly investment of around two fifty. Wow. Okay, so if you're not doing that, how, how are you going to do it? It's not just going to happen. So you've got to think about these things. Fortunately, kids take a while to grow. You know, <laughs> they age every year. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. So you can drip feed yeah. and put them in. But little things that caught me by surprise, braces, mm. you know, that's... 10, that's 000. a blind side. That's and a blind. Yeah. Little things that pop Glasses. up. Exactly. Sports. Why can't sports, they be healthy? Hobbies, <laughs> yeah. uh, musical instruments, various hobbies and passions. All like that. that. All that. And sometimes it's hard to predict what they're going to do. Again, let's get real. You know, that's why it's called a real girl's guide. Yeah. If you can sit down with an Excel spreadsheet and predict everything, great. You're better than mm. me. But it is a case then of how about you just put some money away now and then let it automate itself and then you'll just thank yourself later and you think, oh, got this, I can do it. The important thing is, is to never, ever be embarrassed of your financial status. So what? You don't drive this. So what? Your kid doesn't go to this school. So what? As long as you're happy, healthy, and you're doing the best you can do and you're managing the money the best you can, making the most of what you have, be proud. Mm. Be proud because chances are, the grass may be greeny on the other side, but it's fake. And understand that. Everybody sometimes is trying to keep up with the Joneses and that costs. Yeah. And that's a, a, a great way to kind of lose perspective on the most important thing, which is your family and the relationship yeah. they have. Look, I guess to wrap up, what's the one piece of advice you'd want to leave our listeners with? Own your financial status and actually do something and do something now. Keep your list simple. And at the back of the book is a 26-week money challenge. You just have to pick one thing each week and promise yourself to do it Mm. and you'll see a change. Mm. If you do nothing, you're going to know exactly where you are today. And if you tell us where uh, people can find out more about your book. You can go to magshop.com.au. It's been big W. It's on all bookstores. And yeah, or follow me just on Twitter or Insta. I really do enjoy hearing what you're doing with your money. And hopefully I can inspire some people. I mean, I'm just the communicator, but I really do enjoy sharing what I've learned.
That's brilliant. And I can confirm it's a great read. Oh, God. <laughs> Didn't put you to sleep, hey? No, I don't know. I feel like I'm awake financially. <laughs> good, good. good. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Pocket Money from Finder. Head over to finder.com.au slash podcast for the show notes for this episode. The Finder podcast is intended to provide you with tips, tools, and strategies that will help you make better decisions. Although we're licensed and authorized, we don't provide financial advice. So please consider your own situation or get advice before making any decisions based on anything in our show. Thanks for listening. Fabulous. Uh, Sorry, fabulous. I can't speak. (laughs)